0: Send out your light and your truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Together, let us recite our portion of Psalm 69. Surely, for your sake have I suffered reproach, and shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my own kindred, an alien to my mother's children. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. The scorn of those who scorn you has fallen upon me. I humbled myself with fasting, but that was turned to my reproach. Answer me, O Lord, for your love is kind. In your great compassion turn to me, hide not your face from your servant, be swift and answer me, for I am in distress, draw near to me and redeem me, because of my enemies deliver me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
1: A
2: reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Together, let us recite the Song of Simeon. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations And the glory of your people, Israel, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen.
1: A reading
3: from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve disciples, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those in his household? So have no fear for them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, And nothing is secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father and even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Our Gospel reading this morning is complicated, to say the least. It doesn't make a lot of sense. We hear Jesus saying things that we don't normally associate with what Jesus would say. I think we can understand it a little bit better if we put it into context. This portion of the Gospel of Matthew that we read this morning immediately follows what we read and considered last week, the sending out of the disciples that Jesus does at the beginning of his ministry. And so today Jesus continues his instructions to them, And he begins this reading by warning the disciples that they may be maligned and rejected because they are his followers. He says to them, if they have called the master of the house, Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? To understand what Jesus is saying here is Beelzebul was was the lord of the demons. And as Jesus was going around casting out demons, people said, well, how can he have authority over demons unless he is a demon himself or possessed by a demon himself? And so that's what Jesus is saying, that if they're accusing me of this, how much more will they accuse those who follow me of being that way? Then Jesus continues. His next words are intended to give them comfort. But of course, as we're reading this now, two thousand years later, they really don't seem that comforting. Perhaps we're in an entirely different position as the original, than the original audience who was supposed to hear this gospel. I think we can figure it out a little bit more if we understand that there were sort of two intended audiences to Jesus' words. There was the primary audience of the disciples, that Jesus was speaking to them while sending them out. But there's also a hidden secondary audience, and that was the community for whom this gospel was written, the community that gave birth to the gospel of Matthew. A church who was very likely facing persecution that might have ended in their deaths. Like, martyrdom was a real possibility for them. They were facing something entirely real. And these words of Jesus were strong words for an incredibly difficult time. And they needed those decisive words because what they were facing was so seemingly insurmountable and so terrible. Proclaiming Christ might result in death, but God would never forsake those who confessed Christ. And there's comfort in that. After this, we come to perhaps, for me at least, the the strangest part of the reading. Jesus proclaims, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to being peace, but a sword. Now, I find these words disturbing because they're so different from the Jesus that, that I think we like to hear. The Jesus who on the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Or the Jesus who on the night he was betrayed when one of his disciples cut off the ear of the high priest's slave, rebuked that disciple and told him to sheath his sword. Jesus, who came not to create an insurrection against the Roman Empire, but to live in love for our sake. And so perhaps it would be easy to dismiss these words of Jesus, to say they're just an aberration, that they don't make sense. But we have to also remember Jesus who cleansed the temple, who angrily threw out those who sought to make a profit off of people's piety, yelling and screaming and putting a cord of whips together. Another side of Jesus. So what what do we do with this Jesus who comes with a sword and sets people against each other? Well, well, part of what we can do is we can look at this text in its historical context. Historically, this passage was very true in the early church. Those who chose to follow Jesus would sometimes have to be set against their parents, against those whom they were related to, those whom they loved. Following Jesus meant creating sort of a wedge in these relationships. Then as the church progressed, this text was often used to persecute those who who were considered heretics. And as the Reformation came, again this passage was used to create more of a wedge in between people. To such an extent that perhaps this passage has sort of lost its way. In that it's been used to establish an us versus them dichotomy. The sort of, well, we who have it right against those who have it wrong, and we have to sever those relationships. I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus is talking about here. I don't think that's how we make sense of this Jesus who says that. For me, when I consider this passage and consider Jesus who says these words, I go back to the literature of my childhood. I go back to the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis writes again and again, when he's talking about Aslan, the lion who exemplifies Jesus, who is sort of um, an analogy for Jesus. He says, Aslan is not a tame lion. And this is how I make sense of this passage, the idea that God is not a tame God. God is not always, does not always fit to our expectations. We can't pin Jesus down to one thing. We can't make God fit our expectations. Actually, that's the wrong way around. We must conform to God. To be followers of Christ, we must walk in the way Jesus walked, and that path doesn't always make sense. It's not always clear. Consider the final thing that Jesus says in this passage. Jesus says, those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it a riddle, a paradox that is baffling. And this is so against the normal way that we want to go. I think so often in our lives we're trying to find things, the right job, the perfect relationship, the dream house, the fancy car. We go after these things, and when we get them, we cling to them. We try to hold on to them with all that we're worth. We, in some ways, become defined by them. But Jesus says that this isn't the way to go forward. The way forward is exactly the opposite, that to find life, we must first lose it for God's sake. The true Living comes not from holding on, not trying to control everything, not trying to possess everything, but from giving up. Think of a palm full of sand. If you take a handful of sand, what happens if you grip it really tightly? If you grip it tightly, it it, it falls out from underneath, from between your fingers. You cannot possess the sand by gripping Tightly, it's only by loosely and gently holding it that you can keep it in the palm of your hands. And that's not a a perfect metaphor, but I think it gets to what Jesus is talking about. That at the end of the day, it's about adopting a posture of humility, faith, and trust. The acknowledgement that God, who created all life, is still the source of life it's about giving up about losing what we have in order to find what god's offering as i was thinking about this homily i couldn't help but think about the time that we're living through this pandemic the time that's so defined by this particular coronavirus. There's so many things that we want to grasp tightly so we don't lose them. But despite our strongest efforts and our tightest grips, they seem to evaporate. Our normal rhythms, the way we think about ourselves, the way we define our place in the world, even the way we come together as a church community have all changed. We've lost what we're used to, what's comfortable. Perhaps any illusion we had of control has disappeared. And in many ways, this is sad and it's difficult and hard, and I don't want to minimize that. But what if there's an opportunity here? What if in the losing of what we hold dear, we intentionally create room for God? What if letting go of those things creates more space for the divine presence in our lives? What if we were intentional about not returning to how things were? But what if we permanently lost some things for Jesus' sake? What if we loosened the grip on the sand of our lives to create more room for the Holy Spirit? I would like to think that then, only when we let go of our control, only when we deepen our trust and rely on faith, can we experience the true life that is found in God. I think that this is the good news for us today, on this particular Sunday, in the middle of this pandemic, that in losing, we find life. That in giving up, we can find meaning. Amen. Let us affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed I believe in God, the Father Almighty The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray in the words our Savior Christ has taught us.
2: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses,
4: as we forgive those who trespass against us.
2: And lead us not into temptation.
4: But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Earth and heaven. Amen
0: Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness let your people sing with joy give peace O lord in all the world for only in you can we live in safety lord keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth let your way be known upon earth your saving health among all nations let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
5: Please join me in praying to God for healing and comfort, mercy and renewed commitment to follow Jesus, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. O God of compassion, giver of life and health, we pray your healing mercies upon all people, the sick and those who care for them, the grieving and all who comfort them in their sorrow. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for courage and wisdom for our leaders and for our church as we discern our individual role and our community's call to heal the divisions which infect our country. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask, Heavenly Father, that we be guided by your spirit of love and by our baptismal promises to respect the dignity of every human being and all of your creation. Help us witness to your purpose with renewed integrity. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for those on our parish prayer list. Edith, Susie and Ellie, Edie, Barbara, Orly, Matthew, Colby, Jean, Jane, Danielle, Michael, Mark, Scott, Matt, Charlie, Nigel, Christine, Ryan and Kim, Greg, Linda and John, Shannon, Lydia, Bill, Paul, Ellen, Will, Peter, Nancy, Marjorie, Larry, Vic, Robert, Audrey Doug, Susan, Mary Sue and Charles, Isabel, Christina, Sergio, Tom, Joan, Caroline, Margot, Jenna, James, Betty Ann, Barbara, Sue, Justin, Jim and Deborah, Rick, Carol and John and all those you name now and we pray for those who have died may they rest in the joys of heaven in God's loving embrace Lord hear our prayer mercifully accept these our prayers O God of all comfort and our only help
0: through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the great things about being new to a community is that you don't know what all the announcements should be. So announcements will be very brief this week. Um, I just want to first express uh, so much gratitude for all of the messages of welcome, the phone calls and the emails. I've tried to respond to all of them uh and apologize that if I have missed one or two. This week on Wednesday from 10 to 12, I'm going to have my Zoom on while I do some work. So please feel free to stop in. I included the link in the window that was sent out to you yesterday. Um, Stop by and say hello. Also in the window yesterday was a link to a survey. Uh, It's really hard to get the Temperature of the community, what people are wanting because we are not meeting in person. So if you can just take a few moments, fill out this survey. It's about our regathering, um, and we're wondering where you are and what your thoughts are about when we come back together again. Continuing with our prayers, let us give thanks to God with a general thanksgiving. and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. To me pilgrim,
4: whose song be with dismal stories, do but No shall stay.